0: This is what happens if, with Daniel Munyan on Joy. Joy! (laughs) Gets me every time. She's our favourite. Mm -hmm. This is What Happens If on Joy 94.9 and tonight we're asking the question, what happens if we rebuild the economy? Yes, and lucky we've got someone who knows what they're talking about here. Dr Richard Dennis is Chief Economist of the Australia Institute, author of Curing Affluenza and Econobabble, co-author of Affluenza and his fantastic, I say fantastic, quarterly essay is titled Dead Right, How Neoliberalism Ate Itself and What Comes Next. Thank you so much for joining us, Richard.
1: Thanks for
0: having me on. Yeah, brilliant. Now, firstly, uh, you say that neoliberalism ate itself, but are you sure Clive Palmer didn't eat it? (laughs) 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 Because I've seen the billboards around Melbourne and he doesn't look hungry. You think, Richard? <laughs> <laughs> his, his thumbs look, don't look I, hungry. Yeah, go on.
1: <laughs> uh, look, I, I think this week kind of, I, I feel like I can just do a big I told you so. I <laughs> you mean, really can. We, uh, well, we've got Erica Betts saying, let's regulate prices in the electricity industry. We've got Tony Abbott saying, let's nationalise the electricity industry. We've got Matt Canavan saying, let's subsidise coal mines. I mean, the, the right wing of Australian politics love uh, to subsidize, to nationalize, to interfere in the market whenever they feel like it. But for years they've told us that they're into the sort of free markets and free trade. What they meant to say was they don't like regulating people they like, they like regulating. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll basically do whatever they want. So if they want to regulate the unions, they will. If they want to deregulate the banks, they will. They can. They've done whatever they want for decades. Uh, But in the last five years or so, uh, they've been so overse, they've been so unapologetic about regulating unions, regulating charities, Mm subsidising coal left, right and centre, that, yeah, that's why I said it's the right that's killed neoliberalism. Mm -hmm. They don't even pretend to believe it anymore.
0: Well, just on that, neoliberalism um, is... A term that maybe we might not know that we're familiar familiar with. It's certainly not a term that I was familiar with until yeah. I read your work. Do you yeah. want to explain what neoliberalism actually is?
1: Oh, sure, yeah. Look, it's, it's just a bit of a conobabble, really. It's just one of those <laughs> fancy words that we use. Yeah. Um, but neoliberalism is kind of the, the shorthand term for small government, for privatising, for deregulating, for cutting taxes... Uh, for, for basically saying, leave it to the market, there's nothing we can do. And for decades, Australians have been told that we have no choice but to deregulate the banks. We have no choice uh, but to build coal mines in, in, uh, in, in, in precious parts of our wilderness. We've got no choice. We just have to do whatever the market wants. But the people who said we had no choice the people who said we have to leave it to the market, uh, the, the, the so-called neoliberals, the free marketeers, if you will, uh, as I said, in, in recent years, they've just, they've just pretended, they've stopped pretending that that's some sort of principle that they hold. Mm. And when it comes to subsidising private schools or private health insurance or coal mines, the, the same people who say leave it to the market uh, when it comes to the banks... Have turned into
0: the let's subsidise our friends whenever we feel like it. Mm. So, so it, you know, let's you know, just bringing into the right now, you know, today or even across the last week, there's the sort of the chaos we're seeing out of Canberra. I mean, are we are we sort of closer to a reset button here? Are we sort of finding our way to sort of better conditions for positive change for the economy in a in a strange kind of way, or is it going to get a lot worse?
1: Um, look, I, I think we think things are going to get a lot worse in the next week or two, maybe yeah. the next month or two. But oh, I think we're at a really interesting point in Australian politics. I think what we're seeing now is that we do have choices. Um, the fact, so you know, so Matt Canavan, the Minister for Resources. He wants to subsidise new coal mines because he thinks Australia needs more coal mines. Well, I'd like to subsidise more dental care because yes. I think we need more dental care.
0: Yes, please. <laughs> I've had a few expensive well, denti- dentist trips recently myself. <laughs>
1: yeah. well, well, that's right. So so I guess what I'd say to everybody is that the Minister for Resources, who, who's allegedly a, a right-winger, a neoliberal, and myself, who's allegedly a left-winger, well, we, we agree entirely that subsidies work. We agree entirely that we can afford to subsidise things. We just need to have a democratic debate about what it is we need more of because if you want more coal mines, then subsidising them is a great idea. And if you want more dental care, then subsidising it's a great idea. And if you want less people to smoke, well, obviously taxing cigarettes is one way to do that. And if you want less pollution, well, obviously taxing pollution is a way to get less of it. So uh, I think it's time that we admitted that we kind of know how these policy tools work. The disagreement we're having is what kind of country do we want? What kind of things do we want more of? What kind of things do we want less of? And for years we've been told these are economic questions and and my argument is they're not economic questions at all. They're entirely democratic questions. There's no right answer to whether we should look more like Sweden or more like Singapore, whether we should have uh, a, a wonderful public health system, like most countries in Northern Europe, or, or an incredibly privatized system, like they have in the US. It's a democracy; we get to choose what we want. Uh, but for decades, we've been told there is no choice. We just have to leave it to the market. Well, well, that's nonsense.
0: Yeah, I, I must say, reading your quarterly essay, it. For me, again, like so, I'm about thirty years old. Sorry, I am thirty. I don't know why I feel weird about admitting that. I'm thirty You're years 30, old. You're thirty. Just there say it, it, yeah. For yeah god god sake. Oh god, it's difficult. We're both uh, thirty, Richard. Okay, <laughs> we admit yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. stop asking. Yeah. Lucky uh, you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's sort of <laughs> goes to my my point was that. It, when I was reading your quarterly essay, it was sort of like a spell was being broken for me. And I, I feel like I, I, I want you to give us a sense, like Dan and I, both born late 80s, right? Graduated high school 2005. So I, I thought it might be useful for you to tell us what it is that we've been taught in terms of the economy in our lifetimes. Because for me, I, like I said, this, the, the perspective you put forward felt like it was something I had never been exposed to before.
1: Well, well, thank you. I'm I'm glad that's the case because I think a lot of people feel like you. So, look, most people in their 30s have been told their whole life that we have no choice but to cut taxes. If we don't cut taxes, we'll be uncompetitive uncompetitive. No one ever says what that means, but it sounds like a bad word. Hmm. Uh, we'll <laughs> <Yeah>. Uncompetitive.
0: <laughs> sounds like a loser. I, I Especially think, in Australia. Yeah. It sounds really well,
1: that, bad. know exact, exactly. I think it's an Australian phenomena. Yeah. And, yeah. you'll be a loser. You know, it's like we're, we're yeah. no good at the Olympics. We'll be uncompetitive
0: yeah. if yeah.
1: we don't cut taxes. And if we don't cut wages, we'll be uncompetitive. And the implication, or often it's made overt, is if we don't cut wages and we don't cut taxes, then... All of the jobs will go to China, all of them. And we won't be able to do anything here in Australia anymore if we don't cut wages and we don't cut taxes. Now that's that's that's, that's what some people say, but if we if we look around the world, um, there are countries and you know, I've even been to some of them, you might have heard of them Sweden, <laughs> Norway, Denmark, been there, Finland, yeah. <laughs> Germany. Yep, yeah, been,
0: yeah, been there, yeah, been there, yeah.
1: Well these are according to the OECD and the IMF, the the World Bank Sweden is what's officially called a high-tax country, and Sweden is what's called a high-wage country. They have high wages and high taxes in Sweden, but most people have heard of a few famous Swedish products. You might have seen a Volvo. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. Might have, you might have been to Ikea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in Australia, we're told this is impossible. Mm. In Australia, we're told mm. Sweden couldn't exist, because... Mm. How, how could a high-wage, high-tax country make a car and sell it? Well, I'll, I'll go further than that. I've been to China, and in China, you know what I've seen? Volvos. Mm. <laughs> how, how could this be? Why are the Chinese <laughs> yeah. importing Volvos from Sweden? Yeah. A high-wage, high-tax country. And the answer is really quite simple, because we've been lied to for decades. We've been told this fairy story that if only we cut wages enough, if only we cut taxes enough we'll somehow get rich Hmm. well actually the richest countries in the world sweden norway denmark finland have some of the highest wages in the world some of the highest taxes in the world and and of course some of the poorest countries in the world have very low wages and very low taxes
0: so why why the lie why why hold back
1: Well, because uh, what's happened in Australia in the last 20 years is the share of our national income, we measure national income through something called GDP, gross domestic product, the share of that going to profits has risen and risen for decades. So when we cut wages, that's really good for people that own restaurants. That's really good for people that own factories. That's really good for people who own banks. Mm. There's no doubt that cutting wages is beneficial for the people that have to pay wages.
0: <laughs> Makes sense. <But>
1: the, <laughs> yeah. but the, well, exactly. It's, not, it's, just, it's No mystery
0: there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, but the mystery is how have these people been so effective in saying the best way to help workers is to cut wages.
0: <laughs> yeah, or, or their overtime or...
1: Yeah, or get mm, rid of penalty rate. Yeah. Or, or, or better, the best way to fund the health and education system is to cut the corporate tax rate. Because if we cut the corporate tax rate, apparently we'll stimulate so much activity that we'll end up collecting more tax. Oh, that's cool! Trickle- <laughs> yeah, well, that's called trickle down economics. But unfortunately,
0: it's dry in here, dry. Richard. I tell you what. <laughs>
1: well, that's right. The, the benefits rarely make it anywhere, yeah. and we know this. Like Ronald Reagan tried this in the eighties; it didn't work. You know, we've, yeah. we've tried it in Australia before, and it didn't work. But you know, I guess what I argue often is that people use these economic arguments as a great way to dress up their self-interest as national interest. Mm. So they don't say, look, I want to cut wages because I'd like to earn a bigger profit, thing. They say, I'd like to cut wages because if I cut wages, that'll stimulate employment and that'll solve unemployment. And I really want to cut wages, not because I'll accidentally make a big profit, but because I really want to help poor people. Mm. So in Australia, we've just kind of got into this habit where, where powerful people get away with with making up these, you know, it's after seven these bullshit arguments. There's no, there's no economic evidence to support them. There's no historical evidence they work. There's no international evidence they work. You know, but they do allow powerful people to dress up self interest as being in the national interest, and so we've we've got ourselves into this weird predicament. We are literally one of the richest countries in the world. Australia's national income, our GDP, is about the same size as Russia's. Wow. So, you, you might have heard of Russia.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I hear big population, they, I hear. Yeah.
1: Well, they make they, Volvos, right?
0: They,
1: they buy some, though. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> There's 120 million Russians, yeah. and it takes 120 million yeah. Russians to, to generate the same wealth that 25 million Australians do. Our economy is about the same size as theirs, and we feel poor. Mm. And, 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 and this, is no, this is no accident. Feeling poor is part of the trick. You know, we're told, oh, you're poor, you're stressed, you're unemployment, wages low. Oh, we we better do something to fix the economy. I know. Let's cut wages some more. Let's cut taxes some more. Well, you know, unfortunately, it's all up to us. We're a democracy. We're free to choose. And if we keep choosing lower wages and low taxes, no one's going to step in. There's no umpire. No one's going to come and pat us on the shoulder and say, I think you've gone in the wrong direction for 27 years. It's time to stop. (laughs) Uh, We can keep doing it if we want. Or we could look at the scoreboard. Or we could look around the world and think, maybe there's another way. Joy!